If you have your Bibles there, you want to flick over to Deuteronomy chapter 30. I want to talk today about uh, God has a way. While you're looking there, let's uh, pray. Father, we just thank you that we can come and meet together in this place, that we can lift up your name. Lord, I pray that the words spoken, Lord, they'll be life. That, Lord, I speak your words of truth. Lord, we submit ourselves to you, to your Holy Spirit. We want a God encounter. Lord, we want to step into heaven. We want to know your will and your purpose. So, Father, I pray every word spoken, Lord, be words of truth and words of life. Words that will change us, that will heal us, that will set us free. That you be glorified. Lord, let your signs and wonders confirm your word. Let your name be glorified, Jesus. We want to bless you and honor you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 14. Says, But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your hearts. And I need that closer because it's too dark. (laughs) That you may do it. See, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil. And that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. Down to verse 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you and set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Turn the person next to you and say, I choose life. Okay, turn the person next to you and with great conviction, tell them, I choose life. You know, as I read this today and was prepping this and um, after what has been a a really, really crazy week, um, I was thinking through that and how often we actually forget to choose life, that we start to take granted and we start to forget. And I was actually, Dale gave me something to read this morning as I woke up. She'd been reading a thing online. She said, I'll read this. And I was reading it through and it actually spurred a whole lot of different thoughts to what she'd written there. But I was thinking back into the start um, at the point where, see, I told you to come on. The point where um, Joseph goes into Egypt and he heads in there and, you know, ends up going as a slave and and ends up in prison and then he becomes prime minister. and, And essentially, Joseph saves the then known world from one of the most severe famines existed. Through his wisdom, through storing up in Egypt and, and so on. And at the end of that, his father and his whole family moves into Egypt and they reside there, which God actually prophesied to Abraham and told him that would happen. And in that time, eventually the Egyptians forgot what Joseph did. 
And it says that a king rose up, or essentially a pharaoh rose up in that time. And had forgotten what Joseph had done and got worried about the, the Israelites multiplying and put them into slavery. He'd forgotten that because of Joseph, they'd survived rather than being wiped out. But what really strikes me when you, when you read that is that the Israelites had forgotten as well. That when they were in slavery for those 400 years, they forgot that God had delivered them through Joseph. They'd forgotten what God had done through Abraham. They'd forgotten that they served the Almighty God. That through that 400 years, it got beaten out of them. So there they are in the midst of severe oppression, hopelessness, despair. Because what happened was the Egyptians took the Israelites and said, we're going to make you our slaves. We're actually worried that you're going to grow in number so much that you're going to join with the nations around us and you're going to overthrow us in our own land. So we're going to make you our slaves. So taskmasters were appointed over the, the Israelites and they were slaves to the Egyptians and they built whatever they wanted to build. They did whatever they wanted to do. But even in the middle of this, the Israelites are still multiplying. See, God never leaves us alone. He's still with us. So Pharaoh gets a bit worried about them multiplying, and so he says, okay, new law. Every Israelite baby boy that is born dies at childbirth. We're going to kill them all. The girls can live. We're going to wipe out all the boys. So the Israelites in this situation are totally oppressed. Totally, there's no hope for them whatsoever. Their life path at this time is slavery. But not just slavery. If they have a male child, then their family can't grow because every male child will be killed. So there's despair, there's pressure, there's persecution. But what I love in the middle of this whole situation, you get things like the midwives would rock up and would protect the baby boys as much as they could because they had faith. In the middle of this situation where there is no hope, where there is no life, one family has a baby boy. And for three months, they're able to hide that baby boy. Can you imagine what it takes to hide a baby for three months? If you have no idea, then I encourage you to come in here on a Saturday about 11 o'clock. And get some perspective as to what it takes to have a child that age and to keep them quiet for three months. But they were able to hide him for three months, convince the authorities it was a girl, whatever they did. But at the three-month point, something happens within that family, and they realize they can no longer hide this child. I'm guessing that probably the soldiers would go around and do checks, and they'd go and check the babies. Is it a boy or a girl? Is it a boy or a girl? If it was a boy, they'd kill it. If it was a girl, they'd let it live although I suspect that probably several of the girls got killed as well. 
So at three months, this family goes, we can't hide this child anymore. And so they take this amazing step of taking a basket and sort of putting some pitch and and tar around it to make it waterproof, placing the baby in it and placing this baby in the river. And I'm going to sit there thinking, what were they hoping would happen? Like, can you imagine getting a baby, putting it in a basket, taking it down the Swan River and putting it on the water? Like, what's going to be the outcome? But they were so determined and had a faith in God. In the middle of all this oppression, in the middle of all this persecution, in the middle of all this strife going on around them, somewhere within them they had a faith that God would do something. They had no idea what. But they did all that they could do by placing this baby on the water. And God does a miracle. You know, they get older sister and they say, watch the basket and see what happens. And the story goes that Pharaoh's daughter comes down. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm watching the basket and seeing Pharaoh's daughter come down. I'm thinking, this is probably not good. You know, the one person you probably don't want to come down is the daughter of the guy who said, kill all the guys, kill all the baby boys. The guy who's running the whole oppression show, the whole persecution show. And yet she comes down and she's touched by this baby. And think about it. Here we are. Pharaoh's daughter holding the baby and the sister steps out of hiding. That would have taken some courage to say, hey, do you want me to go and find someone to nurse the baby for you? And in the middle of all this oppression and all this despair and all this hopelessness, that one baby survives. Not only survives, but ends up back with its mother to take care of it. And Pharaoh's daughter would have paid for that child to have the best because she adopted that child. She made it her own. So he had all the privileges of being a prince of Egypt. Think about it. In one day, that child went from facing certain absolute death to being a prince of Egypt. Just like Joseph faced prison to being the prime minister of Egypt in one day. Isn't God amazing? Isn't that so God that when there seems... I mean, you take Joseph, he's in jail. There is no way he can get out. He's got no court of appeal. He's got no place to step out. Yet in that situation where he has absolutely nothing and he has no rights, he's brought before Pharaoh, interprets the dream of Pharaoh, and is made prime minister in one day. Moses is facing certain death. He's placed upon the water where he risks dying even there. I mean, you know, Water was not empty. Crocodiles. 
other things in there that eat. You know, baby made of flesh. Food. So if people find, we'll probably die. If animals find, we'll probably die. And yet goes from facing certain death to being a prince of Egypt in one day. This is the God we serve. But you know what I discovered with both of these stories? Is that somebody had to make a choice. Joseph had to make a choice while in prison. He could have sat there and went, you know what? God really stinks. And I don't know if he's really up there. Because you see, you know, I woke up the other morning and went out to find my brothers, ended up in a pit. From there, I was sold as a slave to ending up in Egypt where I spent my time scrubbing floors. And then when things looked like they were going okay and I was sort of running the house, even though I was a servant, then I ended up in prison. Here I am, sitting in prison. Where's God in all this? Where's this God who says he's so good? Where's this God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob who supposedly prospered them and made everything good? He could have gone, you know what? This stinks. This God thing isn't real. And he'd forgotten what God had done with him and he could have thrown it all away. But he made a choice. In the middle of the persecution, in the middle of the despair, he made a choice to say, it doesn't matter what happens. I know God is in control. And because he chose life and goodness rather than death and despair, God was able to take him because his attitude was in the right place and promote him to being the prime minister. And Moses' family is the same. They're sitting there with their child and they have no hope in the natural. Everything says that that child will die that day. He'll either die of hunger because they can't feed him when he's on the water. He'll die by the animals in the river. He'll die if somebody finds him. They had no hope, and yet they chose to cling on to God and the life and the hope that he gives. And they did what they could do with their faith. And they placed him upon the waters. And in one day, he went from being a a child facing certain death to being a prince of Egypt and to extending blessing not only to him but to his family to take care of him because they were provided all they needed to raise him until he was old enough to go back in and be with his new adopted mum. You see, whenever you face tough situations, and I know that you might be facing stuff in your life right now, It's really easy when when you're feeling lousy and you're feeling sick and things aren't going well. It's really easy when your financial situation really stinks and it looks like there's no way through. It's really easy when your relationships are falling apart or your work or your study or whatever it is and it all just looks like one great big mess. It's really easy to choose death and to say, where is God? Where is this good God who's supposed to look out for me? And to forget what he did when he saved us. To forget what he did when he gave us salvation. When he took away our sins. 
and the, and the guilt and the shame we carry with that. And in those moments, it's really easy to choose death and to take back the guilt, to take back the despair. But they're the moments when we need to stand on the Word of God. They're the moments we need to stand and say, it doesn't matter what's in front of me, God has a way through. And I maybe I can't see it, but God has a way through. Because His Word says He has a way through. But we have to make a choice to believe it. And the world, unfortunately, is full of Christians who choose not to believe. And so they settle for second best. But it says here to make that choice. Verse 14, the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. So the next verse says what? I command you to love God, to walk in his ways, and then God will bless you. Verse 19, choose life. Because before you, he has set before us life and death, blessing and cursing. So you can choose life and blessing even when it doesn't look like it. See, this is the thing about faith. If it's already happened, it doesn't require faith. Faith is the substance of what you hope for, the evidence, Hebrews 11.1 says, of what you cannot see. If you can see a way through, then there's no faith. If you can work it out yourself, then no faith is required. And if your whole life is like that, then you need to aim higher. Because you know what? It says Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if you have full control of your life, your whole life is planned and you know where it's going and you can make it happen and it's all sorted, then God bless you, but you're not living by faith. And you're not living to your full potential. You are not becoming the person that God has made you to be. Because you see, God wants to take us higher. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And the idea is not to have that to always be the situation, but to rise up to His level. We're supposed to stretch ourselves to a higher level in Him. We're supposed to step up into what He has for us to do. Not to be living comfortable lives. You know, we've stepped into this treehouse. And let me tell you, every day it's uncomfortable. And it gets more and more uncomfortable. Because we have some big bills to pay. And I look at it sometimes and I don't know how the heck we're going to pay some of them. Because we've gone from 100,000 a year turnover to nearly 10 times that figure. And that sounds fantastic until the bills roll in. And you know what? Everyone out there will tell you, oh, this is the slow time, or this is that time, and this is that time. And they're all whispering, and they'll all tell you what is wrong and how you can't do it and what needs to happen, especially the advertising companies. They love it. Oh, this is that period, so you need to be doing this. And they will speak curses over you. And the amount of people that tell me that chipmunks is down the road as if I didn't know. <laughs> oh, this center is opening up there because we don't do our research at all. 
Everybody loves to tell you what's wrong. Because we live in a world that has chose death and cursing. People love to speak the curse because they're living in darkness. But we are to choose life and blessing. So I don't care what's happening out there. I don't care who's down the road. I don't care what they're doing. And if I get another email telling me that Chipmunks now has bubbler deals, I don't care. If you don't know what that is, then don't worry about it. For all those who've sent me that email. I don't care what somebody else is doing. Because you know what? My faith in provision is not what comes through the till. My faith in provision is what comes from my God. And the Bible says that my God shall supply all my needs. Not my cash register. But that goes for you too. It's not your pay packet that provides all your needs. It's not your job. And when you start to put faith in your job, you walk on dangerous ground. Because six months ago, I had the most secure job in Australia. Fully government funded. So I went on a holiday to Europe and came back and got retrenched. Along with my whole department. Let me tell you something about my department. They did a a cultural survey every year that I was with that organization. And you know what? We hit number one on that cultural survey on things that impacted the organization. We were number one for three years running. So we were the strength of the organization. And they cut a whole department. You can't put your trust in the things of this world. You have to put your faith in what God's Word says because when you put your faith in God's Word, you put your faith in God because He and His Word are one. That's what John 1 tells us, that the Word is God. You want to know God? Know His Word. You want to live a life of faith? Know His Word. So that when you hit the time where oppression and depression And pressure comes because it will come. And if you're not in it right now, it's going to come. And if it isn't coming, then you're probably in it right now. You've got to have the Word of God in you. And like we've said so many times, you can't start by putting the Word of God when the pressure comes. That's not the time to choose life and blessing. You've got to choose it when things are going all right. Because when the hard time comes, is when you've built up the faith muscles to be able to do what it takes to get through the hard times. You know, you don't wake up tomorrow morning and going, I'm going to go enter a Mr. Muscle competition. I'm going to be Mr. Universe. And the competition's on tomorrow night. You've got to start preparing yourself months and years ahead to build up your muscles to be able to do it. It's the same walking by faith. but you have to make that choice. You have to make a life choice. And I don't understand how people can choose death and destruction, death and cursing. But too many people do. How do they choose it? Because they choose not to take the Word of God and put it in. Moses' family didn't just suddenly wake up one day and go, hmm, I think we'll go and put our kid out in the water. 
you know what, we're going to hide our baby for three months and then tell you what, let's chuck it out in the water and see what happens. There's some faith in there. And the Bible tells us the only way faith comes is by hearing the word of God. They remembered the traditions when all around them, the other Israelites had forgotten and went to groaning and complaining and suffering. That family remembered. They had to have because they had faith. They remembered what God had done. In the middle of all that oppression, in all that persecution, they remembered that God had looked after Abraham. That God had provided for Isaac. What Jacob and Joseph had done. They remembered. And so when it came time to face their fears, they faced it with faith. And they placed that, water, that baby upon the water in faith, trusting him to God. That is the only way you can live the life that God has for you. Because you see, when you have God as your father, and you say, I live for you, and you start to put the word of God in you, he will start to bless you. But you know what I've discovered? Blessing takes a heck of a lot of work. You know, Saturday, God blessed us. He cancelled the pageant in the city because they didn't have any baby Jesuses. You know what happened in this place on Saturday? Families went, there's no Christmas pageant in the city anymore. We want to take our kids somewhere. And they walked in here in droves. Literally in droves. So much so that we were ringing up to get more and more staff in because we couldn't cope with what was coming through the door. We did more trade on Saturday and today than we've probably done for the previous two weekends combined. Was it fun? No, not really. <laughs> supposed to be days off. We worked hard. That's what blessing is like. You know, when God blesses you, I mean, can you imagine, you know, when, when Jacob was out there and, and he's facing Laban. and says, Laban changed his wages 10 times, but God still blessed Jacob. How did he bless Jacob? He multiplied his herds. You know what happens when you multiply your herds? It takes more work. You know, Abraham had a whole army. This army was so blessed and so strong that it took on five kings and defeated them. But can you imagine what it takes to train an army? The work that goes in taking care of an army, your own private army. You see, we look back and we look at the blessings of God and we go, we want your blessings. And so God starts to bless us and it looks like work. And so we run away. And we don't enter into the blessing he has for us because we just want him to pour money into our hands. But see, God actually wants to grow you so you know how to handle the blessing he gives you. Because you see, what he said to Abraham was, I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing. Right? Yeah, you will, you will prosper when God blesses you. But the purpose is so that you can be a blessing because you see, you are to be the light and the salt of this world. So your job when he blesses you is to extend that blessing to those who don't know him that they may know him. 
You know, that's why we have this place. It's not so we can just have a whole lot of money rolling in the door. It's so we can be a blessing. I sat there with a, with a bunch of ladies down the end and, and they were talking about where, what we're doing and us being in here and, and, and we started talking about Christmas Eve and I said, look, Christmas Eve is free. You get to come in here and you bring your whole family. You get to celebrate the start of Christmas together. You know, we're going to have animals in here and activity going and lights and, and free food and, and they were sort of, they were absolutely gobsmacked and they're going, why are you doing this? I said, well, actually, it's a church that owns this place. And, and we do it so that we can then give back to the community. And they were astounded that somebody wanted to do that, that we would put the work in, because it was crazy in this place, but that we would do the work in this place so that we can give back to the community. You know what the response was? This is the only place we're going to come from now on. Because we want to be a part of what you're doing. You see, when you start to bless... You start to soften hearts. And so every time they come in here, we get a chance to have a conversation about God. And I know that week by week, we're going to see these rows fill up and fill up and fill up with people that we've had conversations with that have come into this place as they see the blessing of God working. But you've got to make a choice. We made a choice to choose life and blessing in this place. But you've got to make that choice in your life too. You see, by not making a choice, you actually choose death and cursing. You can't have a non-choice. Your life is full of choices. You know, Jesus never said, hey, come follow me, it'll be an easy road. You know, he said, come follow me, take up your cross. In other words, there's work involved. There's self-sacrifice. But essentially what he was saying was, take all that stuff in your life that you are trying to make look good, all those ways that you're trying to impress others, but you know it's all a facade. There's nothing to it. I can remember we visited Kalgoorlie about four or five years ago and and they asked us to come and speak at um, the youth meeting in one of the churches there. And there was this guy there. I was watching him most of the night. And, you know, he was being the tough guy. You know, and he was, you know, I, I run the place. I'm the tough guy and so on. And so we started talking and, and, and preaching a bit and towards the end of the night. And, and then we said, look, if you want prayer, let us pray. And this guy stood up for prayer. I remember walking up to him and just saying, it's hard work putting on the facade, isn't it? It's hard work having to be the tough guy so no one sees what's really underneath. And he broke down in tears because that's exactly what he was doing. And that's what we all try and do. We put on the facade that it's okay. I'm all right. I've got it together. I don't need God because we're afraid that people will see the real us. We're afraid that maybe God will see the real us. Let me tell you something about God. He already knows who you really are. He knows what you've done. You know, when you come and confess your sin, it's not like it's news to him. He already knows because he knows everything about you. But you can come to him and you can lay it all at the altar and say, it's too hard to try and do it that way. I want to do it your way, God. You don't have to choose death and cursing. You can choose life and blessing.
But you have to be prepared to give up your way of living and take on his way of living. I'm not saying it's an easy road. It wasn't an easy road for Moses' family. It wasn't an easy road for Joseph. It wasn't an easy road for Jesus. It wasn't an easy road for Paul or any of the disciples. But it's a road that's fulfilling. It's a road that's full of truth. It's a road that's full of sacrifice. But it's a road full of blessing. And it's actually how you become who God made you to be. Because he will take you higher and he will take you further than you've ever been. And you get to give up all the stuff in your life that makes you feel really bad. All that sin that drags you down. You get to confess it and get the weight of it off your shoulders. You get to turn from it and to take on new life in him. You get to get rid of the depression and the oppression. And you get to take on his joy. That even in the tough times, you can take on his joy. So I want to ask you, where are you in your life? Right now, where do you stand with God? You're going through a tough time and you're going, this isn't working, I'm going to give up on this. Don't give up. Choose life and blessing. I ask everyone just to close their eyes. Maybe you're sitting here and and you're going, I need some Jesus. I don't really know Jesus and I need Jesus in my life. I want to choose life. I want to choose blessing. I want to be free from having to put on the facade of having to pretend to have it all together. I want to walk in Jesus' steps. I want to live my life for him. I want to become all that I was made to be. I want to be free of the guilt and the shame from the things I've done. I'm sorry for the sin in my life and I want to be free from it. If that's you, you're sitting here and you're going, I need that freedom. I need Jesus in my life. I want to give my life over to him. Everyone's got their heads bowed, their eyes closed. Just put your hand up and say, look, pray for me. I'm not going to bring you out the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. This is between you and God. But I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment. And if you're saying, I want to be in that prayer, pray for me. Just put your hand up and say, I need Jesus. I want Jesus in my life. Maybe you had Jesus in your life before, but you walked away. And you know you need to come back to him. If that's you, just put your hand up and say, pray for me. Pray for me in that prayer. Or maybe you just don't know where you stand with him. You can be sure tonight. You can know that you are in his kingdom. That you are his child. That you are free from your sin. You are free from your guilt and your shame. If that's you, just put your hand up and say, pray for me in that prayer. Include me. 
I want Jesus. Just going to take a moment. Everyone's got their heads bowed, their eyes closed. Just slip your hand up and say, pray for me. Let's give that a few more seconds. To the rest of us with our eyes closed, our heads bowed. Whatever situation you're facing, what choices are you making? Are you choosing life and blessing? Have you remembered what Jesus did for you when he saved you? And set you free from your sin? Have you made a commitment to feed on his word? That you've got the strength to draw on when the tough time comes. He says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses before you. That I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose. Make a choice. Will you choose life and blessing? Or do you choose death and cursing? You can't have a foot in each camp. Make your choice. Just take this moment. Everyone's got their heads bowed, their eyes closed, just to recommit yourself to God. To give Him the things you've been carrying in your life that you should not be carrying. To repent before him and to choose life and blessing. Father, I bless every person here right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I bless them with life and blessing. You say you, you, say you, gave, you gave us the power to bless and to curse. So Father, I bless every person here right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I bless them with your life. Lord, I bless them with your prosperity, with your health, with wholeness. Father, I bless them to become all that you made them to be, that you may be glorified through our lives. We worship you, we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.